We're going to be in a new series. We're going to be in a series called Kingdom Living. We're going to be looking over the, the coming weeks and perhaps months just uh, at the parables of Jesus. You know, Jesus said um, before he was on, on, on a trial with Pilate, he says that my kingdom is not of this world. You know, and he also teaches his disciples to pray earlier on. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, this is uh, something about the kingdom of God. You know, we hear it a number of times, and in the parables in particular, Jesus refers to the kingdom of God. He says, this is what the kingdom of God will be like. So what we're going to be doing over the next coming weeks is really looking at what the kingdom of God is like, but how we can live in that as well. Because as Jesus says, that this, his kingdom is not of this world. You know, he's called us to live differently. He's called us to be set apart. So over the coming weeks, as I say, we're going to be reading a number of parables um, and just really exploring them and unpacking them. You know, we look in the Bible and it says the first will be last. We says the greatest will be servant of all. And he also says, love your enemies. You know, these are principles that actually are very different to what the world teaches and encourage us to, to live by. So we're going to just look at these, really, and then just go from there and just see how we can live out uh, and live in this kingdom that God calls us to. So I'm just going to invite Ben now. Can we give Ben a round of applause? He's going to read us our passage this morning. Good morning. I'm going to read from Matthew 13, 1 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the other people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in the parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will, whoever has will be given more, and he, will, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And for this, people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their eyes, and they, have the, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and in turn, I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but I did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away what was sown in the heart. This is the seed sown along the path. 
And the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, it lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Thank you. That's great. Thanks, Ben. That's a, a great parable, isn't it? And I think uh, maybe you've heard that many times before. But when, when I read that, I often think it's, uh, I'm the person sowing the seed and the, the soil or the ground is about the other people. It's about other people. And it encourages us you know, just to keep sowing seeds, keep you know, doing those things. And sometimes it will fall on, on good soil and other times it might not. But actually just be encouraged to sow the seeds. And I would always think like that. But then coming to the passage again, actually, I think it, the ground is talking about our lives. You know, the ground is talking about our lives. Sometimes we can interpret messages well for other people. But this is speaking about our lives, isn't it? And I wonder what sort of ground we are or what sort of soil we are. You know, I think it's really important to ask those questions because I often also, when I read this, I thought about the crops. You know, I want to be someone that produces crops in my life. I don't know about you. Yeah? You know, I want to be someone that makes a difference. I want to be someone that actually the work that I do for the Lord is, is making a difference. You know, and that our lives aren't wasted and that we're here for a purpose. God has placed every one of us here on earth for a reason, for a purpose. You know, some of us might know what that is. Some of us are still on the journey of exploring. But God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And he has crops that he wants to produce in and through us. But rather than focusing on the crops, our job is to focus on the ground on our lives, what we can do. Because God is the one that changes lives. He's the one that transforms situations and makes a difference. But it's actually he uses us. And we have to keep our hearts right and focusing on him. So what does good soil look like? It's perhaps an open mind. It's a receptive heart and a willing spirit to do what God calls us to do. And this morning I want to just suggest perhaps three ways based upon this parable of the sower that we can keep our soil, keep good soil and become good soil in our lives, cultivating this ground that's not hard, that's not uh, rocky or not in the thorns that we've just heard about. So the first is this, we have to pursue understanding. You know, when we look at this passage, the first reason that it fell on the path was because it heard the message, but it did not understand. I don't know about you, but sometimes you can hear someone say something, but you don't really understand it. And I find that as well. Sometimes when people read the Bible, the conversations I have with people is, I just don't understand it. I just don't get it. And like, we have a decision at that point to either go, okay, I don't understand it, I'll walk away from it, or I don't understand it, I'll pursue it, and I'll search, and I'll ask questions, and I'll look further into it. When I was at school, my worst subject was science. I really didn't get on well with science. I didn't get on with the teachers either, particularly. Um, and I just I couldn't understand it. I like, they, they would tell me time and time again all these different ideas and different things. I mean, I still don't get it today, to be honest. But, you know, what I learned was that I mean, my dad was a science teacher, but I still couldn't quite grasp what was being taught. But then I came to a point where I, I stopped wanting to learn as well. You know, I would go to the classes not really wanting to learn. You know, I was probably a bit of a, a headache for the teachers, but... 
You know, we must have this mentality when it comes to reading the Word and hearing the Bible is, actually, if we get to a, a junction where we, we don't understand, that's okay, but we've got to pursue God and seek Him and actually learn more about what God has in store for our lives and what the Bible means. Okay, it, it's not always easy, and, and sometimes passages are more challenging than others, but um, we have to not just listen, but seek to understand. Sometimes you can hear something and it goes in one ear and out the next. Maybe that's a conversation with someone in your family or a person sitting next to you, you know. We have to sometimes listen and actually hear what's being said, don't we? You know, I think that's so important. If we're going to sort of cultivate this soil um, that we're talking about in, in the parable, it says as well, he who has ears, let him hear. You know, someone once said we have two ears. One is to, to hear the world around us and the other is to hear from God, you know, and to actually be attuned to, to what God's saying and, and speaking into our lives. And I don't know if we could just click the next slide on, Roy, that'd be great. Um, but I, I don't know if you've ever done the, the Bible in a year. You know, you can get it on your phone and you can sort of get passages where you just, uh, there's different re- reading plans. And I, I did it last year, went through the Bible in a year. Some days I was really focused. And you, there's also now a feature where you can listen to it. So like the person will just read it out. And I thought that was great, but there's some days where I must admit, I had it in, and I was listening to it, and there's certain parts, but it was just going in, and I didn't really understand it, I wasn't paying any attention to it, and I thought to myself, you know, it's hard, isn't it, to make time sometimes, when life's so busy, to to digest and really process what's being heard, or what's in the Bible, but just to encourage us, he who has ears, let him hear, make uh, understanding a priority in our lives, we have to be intentional about that as well. The word disciple, you know, I think often we say we're a Christian, don't we? We're, um, if we follow Jesus, that's one way we describe ourselves. And I think that's got a lot of different connotations. It obviously means a mini Christ, doesn't it? But I think in the Bible, the language is disciples a lot of the time. You know, we're disciples of Jesus, which means followers of Christ. But it also means to be a student. You know, some of you are glad that your student days are way behind you in that sense. But actually, we're always to be students, you know, we're always to be learning. We're always to be wanting to be hungry for God's word and to pursue him in our lives. You know, sometimes that might, may take time, but um, I don't know if you've got friends or family that, that just seem to have an answer for everything. I'd call them like a know-it-all. Do, do you know anyone that, like that? That someone just, you know, you give them a question, they've got an answer for you straight away. You know, you say that they're wrong and then they're still telling them they're the right. You know, people like that do their head in, don't they? It's just like... Pfft. Frustrating, frustrating. But, you know, the reason I say that is because sometimes I think that there can be a danger that we can become like that in our faith. There can be a danger that we think that we've read all that we need to read. We know that God loves us. We know that he has a plan for our life. And, And to some extent, that is all we need to know. But actually, God calls us to journey with him. And he has so much more in store for us. And the, the depth within that book, within the Bible, is amazing. You know, God has so much more for us if we're willing to just journey with him and to, to search and to, to, to pursue this understanding. The day we think that we, we know it all is the day that our ground becomes hard. The day that we think that we know it all is when our, the ground becomes hard. You know, we, we're talking about the, the, the seed that fell on the path. It didn't understand but if you're not even willing to want to understand or to desire to grow, to learn, then you're already at a, limit, a limitation. It says in the Bible, doesn't it, give us this day our daily bread. 
You know, we've got to feed off the word of God on a regular basis. And when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he says, man does not live by bread alone. You know, of course, he was tempted to eat bread, but also he was referring to the word of God. You know, it's something that we have to have regularly in order for us to grow and in order for God to use us and for these crops to, to be produced. So we can uh, use a, a Bible reading plan. We can perhaps join a life group. You know, that's why we, we encourage life groups is not just for the fellowship and the community aspect, which is obviously great. The friendships that are built, those that are in them. But in these places, we, we study the word of God as well. And we, we share thoughts and insights about what we think that the word of God means and how we can uh, encourage each other in that. And of course, the Alpha Course. You know, this is uh, a place, you know, we're obviously encouraging people to come on it. But for me, asking questions was a huge part of my journey of faith. You know, sometimes I think we, we, we expect people just to, to come to the Lord the first time they hear the gospel. But actually, it often takes a number and number of times, and we need to create space where people can ask questions, where people can explore and, and not be afraid, not be, you know, sometimes we, we condemn doubt, and we make people feel really guilty for doubting or questioning certain things in the Word. I remember, like, as I said, part of my testimony, I would, the amount of t- times I'd ask my mum questions, I know it's Mother's Day today, but... I had to ask her so many questions about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to, to follow Jesus, and, and all the ins and outs of that, and my pastor and, and certain close friends. Guys, ask those questions. You know, just encourage you, you know, don't be afraid to, to explore, you know, pursue understanding in certain areas. You know, if you've got a particular interest or certain thing that you just don't understand, then maybe that's holding you back. Explore it. Ask those questions. I think it's so important that we, we don't um, hold back in these areas. So the first is to pursue understanding. You know, some of you might say, I'm not an academic. You know, I, I wasn't very good at school. I, didn't, I wasn't great when I was at university either. But actually, we've got to cultivate just a hunger to learn. That's, that's as simple as it is, you know. You might not feel that you can get A's and B's or whatever. But God's not looking for a, uh, our intellect. He's looking for our heart. You know, he just wants a heart committed, surrendered to him that wants to learn, wants to grow, and wants to run the race with him. That's all it is. So the second, though, after pursuing understanding, is to develop resilience. If we go back to the parable, the second reason, and and it fell uh, amongst the rocky places, was it heard the word, but it had no root, and only lasted for a short time. When the trouble and persecution came, it fell away. It was because the troubles were too overwhelming. You know, this picture is from something called a a tough mudder. I don't know if many of you have heard of what that is, but it looks pretty grueling, doesn't it, really? They have to go up and over these things. They have to go underneath. There's, you know, uh, obviously really lots of mud. It's really draining. I I couldn't really do it myself personally. But actually, there's a, a resilience there, actually a willingness to keep going, no matter what seems to come against them. Because actually, you know, using this analogy, there's lots of things that will come against us in life. Some we bring upon ourselves, but others, often it's just the situations and circumstances of life that we just have to build that resilience in our life to keep going, to stand firm. You know, I I know that that life is tough and and sometimes our emotions and the challenges will, will come against us. But actually, you know, we've got to say, no matter what comes my way, Jesus has overcome. Jesus is greater than anything we face. And we've got to have this resilience that no matter what comes our way, we're going to be willing to stand firm. You know, the language in the Bible, it talks about, you know, spiritual battle. We don't often hear that in our everyday conversation, do we? 
Well, you might do in, in certain contexts. But, you know, I think it's so important that we are prepared for battle. You know, just read Ephesians 6, the armor of God. You know, it, it, it's in there for a reason because actually, you know, there's things, the enemy wants to snatch away the seed that has been sown. You know, you might hear a word of encouragement, but then you'll hear the lies, the fiery darts of the enemy. But I just want to encourage us to, to build this resilience in our life, to stand firm. It says in 1 Corinthians 16, to be on guard, to stand firm in the faith. You know, we were at the, uh, the AGM uh, last month now, and, and Dave, I don't know where, it's, where it came from really, but he shared about this twofold uh, area or aspect of faith. You know, we, we like the one side of faith, which is having great dreams, having great aspirations and seeing God do amazing things and miracles. And, you know, I pray for that. You know, I want that in my life. I want this, that for this church. I want that for this city, for this nation. You know, keep dreaming. And you know, that's great. That's, but that's one side of faith. Another side of faith is just standing firm when life gets tough. You know, that is faith. Just trusting in God when all hell is breaking loose, where you're not sure what to do why it's happening, you know, you might have questions in all that, but you just say, God, I'm holding firm to the hope that I have in Christ Jesus. You know, and that is probably more important, if not just as important as the other aspect of faith. And I think we need to just cultivate that more and more. You know, some of that, it's hard. You know, it's not easy, but um, it's really important that we aren't swayed by our emotions or circumstances. Colossians 1.23, continue in the faith firmly established not moved away from the gospel of hope. So how can we do this then? How can we develop resilience? Is this something that just comes natural for all of us? Probably not. It doesn't come naturally for me, certainly. We've got to allow our friends to speak the truth into our lives. You know, maybe you've got a few close people that like to say nice things to you, compliment you, the way you look or the things you do. We all like encouragement, don't we? But what about saying that the tough things, the hard things, the truth, you know, we don't always like that, but if you know someone loves you, say to them, I need you to speak the truth into my life. You know, whether it's in a tough time or a good time, we need to take a moment to step back to discern the lies of the enemy. Sometimes that can get a bit blurred and we're not sure whether it's, you know, something we need to respond to because actually we see that the enemy deceives us as well, doesn't he? And I think we have to discern what's right and what's not. And also not to be surprised, you know, when, to develop resilience, we have to not be surprised when opposition comes our way. If we're going to live by faith, we're stepping out. The enemy's not going to like that. You know, I think what, I, what I've observed over my lifetime is when we're doing nothing and when we're not stepping out in faith, life seems to be okay sometimes. You know, it, of course, there's still challenges, but the enemy's not going to attack you. He's not going to, because he, he's not bothered. You know, you're not doing anything in, in regards to advancing the kingdom. But as soon as you step out, You've got opposition. People are probably going to discourage you. Why are you doing that? That doesn't make sense. Oh, I wouldn't do it that way. But actually, we've got to step out and say, you know what? I'm trusting in God. He's got my back. He's in control. He's greater than anything that the enemy can bring against us. But we mustn't be surprised when opposition comes our way. Not to blame God for human mistakes as well. We have to show grace to one another. And, And also, we have to apply God's word to our life. We see the wise and the foolish builder, don't we? The wise builder built his house upon God's word. We have to be someone who does that. Our resilience doesn't come from our own strength, though. It's through trusting in him. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. You know, I just wonder if we put the next slide on. This is one of the, perhaps a, 
just a great verse for, for resilience in our life. You know, I've shared this before, but, you know, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, next time you, you feel like, you know, it, it's, going, it's tough and things are going against you, just remember this verse. You, know, some will, you could have it as a life verse, you know, just to keep pressing forward, keep having that resilience in your life. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. You know, that, that's encouraging, isn't it? You know, in a few weeks we celebrate and remember the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. But we can remember that all year round. You know, that's why we take communion today. We need to be spurred on. So we pursue understanding, we develop resilience. And then thirdly, if we can click on, is to live generously. To live generously. The third reason, you know, the path, uh, the, the seed that fell in, amongst the thorns it said it heard the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choked it up, making it unfruitful. You know, wealth is a really challenging thing, isn't it? I think sometimes I have to really just constantly ask myself the questions, you know, is money controlling me or am I controlling my money? You know, sometimes it can be subconscious as well. We're not always aware. I remember a number of years ago, I mean, this might seem a silly example, but uh, I lent a friend, well, this was a long time ago, 50p. <laughs> I lent them 50p. I, I need to let go, really. I don't know why I can still remember it. But, um, and the, the next day, I said, oh, have you got my money, you know? And they said, no, sorry, I haven't got it. I left, left it at home. But then the next day, I came in again. I says, have you got my money? No, no, no. Oh, sorry, I left it at home. As you can imagine, again and again and again, I kept asking for this money. And then he eventually said, I was called me stingy for always asking for the money that I'd lent him. Oh, I was so frustrated because, but then I look back now, I think it was 50p, Matt. Just let go. But the fact is, the money had controlled me. It, I, I was so concerned about the possession. And like we laugh about that now and I can look back and sort of still need to deal with the bitterness and the, the resentment inside, you know, admittedly. But Actually, it's really important that whether it's 50p or 500 pounds or however much money we earn or or, or in our lives is not to allow it to control us. You know, the the deceitfulness of wealth choked it up. You know, it's quite strong language there, isn't it, really? But I think behind the scenes that money is an everyday part of life. You know, whether we have a little or whether we have a lot, you know, it's really important that our view of money is right with God. Because it just, uh, it's so important. You know, it's mentioned in the Bible so many times. You know, it's uh, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and says, I've kept all the rules of the law. But actually, Jesus said, go and sell everything. Give away all your money. And he just couldn't do it. You know, he, and, and, you know, the story actually says in that part, it says, he went away sad. He went away sad. Sometimes we can have all the money in the world. We can have all the wealth, all the possessions, yet still be sad. You know, I think it's just to live a generous life is the way, is just Jesus. It's just kingdom living is to live generously. You know, not to hold on to what we have, but to give. You know, freely we give because freely we have received. You know, it's a reflection of our heart. It's a reflection of our contentment. It's a reflection of our thankfulness for all that God has done in our life. I mean, what does it say? It is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, if that's ever a kingdom principle, you know, there's one for you now. I mean, I just think, if you, someone says to you, here's 20 pounds or give me 20 pounds, <laughs> what would you choose? 
I'd probably rather take the 20 pounds, wouldn't you? Naturally, if I'm being honest. But actually what it's saying is there's a blessing in the kingdom when you give money or, or when you give possession, when you give time. You know, it's not just about finance, although that's a strong part of it. It's actually this mentality to give is better than to receive. Now, that's so different to the world that we live in, isn't it? But actually, what you're doing is you're investing into the kingdom of God. You know, was it store up your treasures in heaven? You know, I, I like storing up treasures in your bank account on earth. But actually, that's not a kingdom principle. I mean, it, of course, you know, we're called to be stewards as well. We're called to be stewards of our finance, of our wealth, not owners. I think that this mentality, of course, we're not to be stupid and foolish with our finance, but we're called to be generous. We're called to be, be stewards and use this for God's kingdom, for God's glory. Does that mean we can't enjoy the things that God gives us? Of course not. You know, that's not what he means. You know, we, we have life in all its abundance and money is just a tool, but it's not something that should control us. And I think, you know, just looking back to the parable, just to, to really just have a, an honest check on our lives and think, you know, am I holding on to, to the things that God has given me or am I giving them away and, and allowing them to bless other people? We love others because he first loved us. You know, we love, we give because of the things that God has done in our life. And that's why I love communion. That's why I love singing his praises because it reminds us of his goodness. It reminds us of his love. It reminds us of all the things that he has done for us. You know, people can put their trust in money as well. You know, God is our provider. You know, whether you've got the littlest, you know, what Paul says, doesn't he? He says, I've learned what it is to be with much, to, to be content with much, and I've learned to be content with little. You know, I think we, it's just this mentality of actually, I have all I need with Jesus. You know, he can, we can be in a time of, of great wealth or not, but actually, it says in Philippians uh, 4.19, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What a promise. What a promise. He will meet all your needs. Sometimes we question that. Sometimes we can be concerned and it causes us anxiety and challenge and worry. Where are we going to pay the next bills? This, that and the other. But actually, God is our provider. He is with us. And he alone is enough. So we're to pursue understanding. We're to develop resilience in our life. And we have to live generously. We have to live generously. I wonder if we just close our eyes for a moment. We provide the soil and God will produce the crops. I wonder what the ground is like for you at the moment. What's your heart like at the moment? Maybe as I've been speaking, you just felt prompted to to desire to learn more, to seek his word more, to allow, to move from hearing to understanding. Maybe you feel that you're not very resilient. When, When times get tough, you perhaps want to run. Maybe you want to just turn to anything but Jesus. Maybe you just need help growing in this area of resilience. Or maybe you just feel a stirring within you to become a little bit more generous. 
to not hold tightly to the things of this world, but rather to fix our eyes on, on Jesus and his kingdom. I wonder just in, in a moment, I'm just going to ask you if, if, if you feel that one of those three areas, you just feel prompted and stirred, just to stand where you are as a sign to God. You know, everyone's eyes are closed, but just as a sign to God to say, yeah, Lord, I want to learn more. I want to actually seek to understand. Maybe you just want to ask for help in the, in the, the storm that you're facing at the moment. Or maybe you just want to, to be challenged and, and to, to declare to God in this moment that you're going to be more generous in the times ahead. So just in the moment, just, take, just stand where you are if that's, if that's you in one of those three areas. Just as a sign to God. And this is about your heart. This is about the ground. You know, it's just about you and God right now. I'm just going to pray over you in just one moment. But I also want to just give an invitation. Maybe you've not thought about uh, this much before and, and the idea of following Jesus and, and giving your life to him. You've heard about this love that, that we've been singing and communion and you thought, yeah, I want a part of that. I want to give my life to that. I just encourage you to stand where you are as well. Just to say, yeah, I'm up for this journey. I want to explore further. Just to encourage you to stand as well and we'd love to talk with you afterwards. But let me just pray. Lord, I I pray for the people that are standing right now, God. Lord, you know their heart. Lord, you know the ground in which their lives are based, Lord. I pray that you will just break that up, Lord. Break it up, Lord. That they will continue to learn, to study, to devour your word, Lord, to move to understanding. Lord, I pray that they will stand rooted in you. That the roots will go deep, Lord. That that your word will just be their basis for all of their life, God. When the winds and the struggles and the troubles of this life come, they know that they can hold firm to you, God. And finally, this area of generosity, Lord, I pray a blessing over their life, God. Lord, as they step out, Lord, I pray that you will just bless them as well, God. Lord, I thank you for your generous heart towards us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So, Lord, we just pray, have your way in our lives, God. And I just just pray, Lord, for those that want to come to know you for the first time. Lord, I just pray that you'll bless them as well as they just begin that journey, begin to explore. I wonder if we just all stand as well now. Lord, we fix our eyes upon you, Jesus. We're here for you, God. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are our king. You know, we've been looking at kingdom living this morning, God, but we fix our eyes on the king. Help us to understand more of your word, God. Help us to, you know, dig a bit deeper. Lord, I just pray that you help us as we go from this place. Remember, we're in a battle, we're in a fight, but actually you have overcome the world. Lord, we thank you for that truth. We thank you for your promises, for your faithfulness in our life. And Lord, we do just pray that you help us to be men and women of generosity who share our lives, who give our lives first and foremost to you. 
We give ourselves to you afresh, Lord. And Lord, I pray over this church right now, Lord, over each and every one of our lives, for crops to be 30, 60, and 100 times over. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.